You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good morning. Welcome to church. For those of you guys online, I screwed everything up. Let's start over. I'm just kidding. Those of you guys online, we are so glad that you are joining us. And uh, those of you who are here, uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad someone's here to listen to what I have to say. Um, First of all, I want to honor Pastor Tim. Um, I'm so grateful to be part of a healthy church. I'm so glad that this place uh, is run so well uh, by our leadership. And and I count it a real honor to be asked uh, to speak this morning. Uh, I'm just so grateful uh, to Pastor Tim. He's such a good friend. With that in mind, it's his birthday today. So he's probably going to watch at some point. So why don't we just together, on the count of three, wish Pastor Tim a happy birthday. Can we do that? Yes? Okay. So on the count of three, one, two, three, happy birthday. All right. Sweet. Awesome. Well, you may notice that I am not American. And this is 4th of July weekend, so this is awkward. Uh, So let's clear the air a little bit. Uh, So I've I've lived here actually for like 20 years now. I blend in fairly well if I keep my mouth shut. And um, I'm married to an American. Uh, We have three little half-breed children. Uh, We're slowly making America Great Britain again. And we, I've learned that I'm bilingual. So I speak English and I speak American. And they're two different languages that speak the same thing. And we use different words to say the same thing, okay? So you guys get into an elevator, right? And I get into a lift. And that's okay, I mean, we're raised differently. Come on, y'all, we, we, gotta, keep, we gotta get this moving, okay? But let's just, okay, yeah, there you go, come on. All right, we are, let's just pray. Let's get this over with. But first, like, I'm sorry about 1776, okay? Our king was crazy. That's my excuse. Lord God, we thank you so much for all that you are. Thank you for Jesus, that we can be in right relationship with you. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who leads us, guides us, comforts us, and corrects us. Lord, help us to listen to your voice. Help us to respond with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm here this morning to lay out what I believe about God, okay? And then I want you to think about what you believe about God. And then at the end, you can make a decision as to whether or not you think that what I believe about God is something that you want to believe about God, or if what you believe about God is okay and you're going to stick with it, okay? And, and here's the thing with that. You're free to believe whatever you want, right? This is America. You're free. Whatever you want. You can think it. Just don't say it. But here's the thing. You've got to consider this. So A.W. Tozer, uh, he was an American theologian. So he's right, okay? He says this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
The gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So you're free to believe whatever you want to about God. But you need to understand that what you believe about God is going to shape everything about who you are and what you do. You also need to understand that what you believe about God doesn't make it true. Just because you believe something doesn't mean that it's actually correct. And there is a correct and an incorrect way to think about God. You also need to know and believe in what God says about you. Because that is completely life-changing. So what do you believe about God? What led you to those conclusions? How did you get where you are? And most importantly of all, is it correct? Is it right? So I teach theology to teenagers. That's what I do for a job. I work at Longview Christian School. I'm the campus pastor and the Bible teacher. And in one of my classes, we talk about something called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which sounds really fancy. And when you teach theology, that's pretty much what you do. You just use words that makes things more complicated than they really are. (laughs) And if you've ever read a theology book, you probably read through it and go, what are all these things? Well, this is one of those things. Basically, the Wesleyan quadrilateral is a way of explaining the fact that we draw our theology, meaning the things that we believe about God, from four different sources. The Bible reason, logic, things that make sense, tradition, and experience. And each one of those kind of interacts with one another and shapes the way that we view the others, okay? And basically create lenses for how we read scripture, uh, go through our experiences, etc. And throughout history, each one has kind of like taken a different front seat, okay? So there were certain times where tradition was like the most important thing to our culture, and therefore that's, that kind of took the, the front seat in how we did our theology. Right now, we're kind of living in a post, post-modern society, and experience is king. Experience is king. Across the board, in our culture, people draw what they believe about God through experience more than any other thing in general. And one of the things that I teach in my class is if we're going to have a correct view of God, if we're going to think about God correctly, scripture has to take the final authority. It has to be the king in this equation. Which is hard because sometimes our experiences and scripture don't line up, right? And we're left with a dilemma, do I trust the Bible or do I trust what I just went through? or what I'm going through right now. And so in those cases, it's really a good idea to ask questions. In fact, it's always good to ask questions. I'm a fan of questions. I love being asked questions. I love answering questions, and I like asking them too. So in this case, when you have this dilemma, do I trust the Bible or do I trust my experience, there's two questions you need to ask. The first one is this. 
am I sure that I read it and understood it correctly? See, a poorly interpreted passage in scripture will affect what you believe about God and create a false version of God and that will create false expectations and that's a problem when those expectations don't get met. The second question is this, do I believe that God is bigger than my moment? Is God bigger than what I'm going through right now? Is it possible that what I'm going through is just a single piece of a 10,000 piece puzzle? Right? Those of you who like jigsaw puzzles, you, you, you get them out of the box and you pick up that one piece and it's got a cloud on it, right? And that cloud doesn't make sense unless you have the whole picture, right? And so we can go through stuff and we can look at our one little piece of puzzle and go, man, my life is cloudy. But then when you put that puzzle piece into the picture, you see that that picture actually has incredible beauty and that cloud actually adds to the beauty of that picture despite the one little piece being like, you know what, this is tough. But if all we see is that one piece, we miss out on so much more. And I'm confident about a lot of things. I think I'm right a lot. And you do too. See, you think you're right about everything that you think. Because if you didn't think that you were right, you would think something else, right? Right. So the thing that I'm most confident, the thing that I'm most right about is that I don't know everything. I don't know everything. And so with God, there's always more going on than what I think. And so I can't just put an implicit trust in experience and in my feelings. It has to be rooted in something that's not going to change. And I found that to be the word of God. I found that to be scripture. So open up your Bibles with me. Let's go there right now to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to run from verse 2 to verse 12. It says this, many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying... We never saw anything like this. So this is a weird story. Not not many words are spoken here. But a lot happens. You've got these four guys who do all of this work. They dig through someone's roof, which is kind of rude. And they lower this guy down at Jesus' feet. Nobody says anything. We just assume that they're hoping that he gets healed, right? And Jesus then does something weird. He turns around and goes, your sins are forgiven. 
And I've got to say, it would be hard for me in that moment after doing all of that work with my paralyzed friend to not be a little bit disappointed. It would be kind of awkward. You'd be like lowering them down. Your sins are forgiven and you're like, Jesus. Do you see that he can't walk? Have you ever prayed and asked God for something and his response been seemingly irrelevant to your question? Or worse, seemingly no response at all? There's a couple of principles in the story that we need to grasp. And the first one is this, it's okay to go to God and ask for what you want. But he sees a need beyond the need. Right? There's the need that you see, and then there's the need that he sees, and they might not be the same thing. So, so I'll give you a story. This is a weird story. And I told it in the first service, and I said I wasn't going to do it in the second, but I don't have anything else, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> so I was a hairy kid, okay? And you may look at my arms and go, well, you're a hairy adult too. That's true, okay? But when I was, when I was a kid, apparently my mom was like cleaning dirt off of me, and she was scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, and then realized that dirt is not dirt, it's hair. <laughs> and... It didn't get any better, so when I got to high school, when I was 12 years old, which is early for high school according to America, but we try to get through it faster in England, so (laughs) at 12, I'm in high school, and my chest started getting hairy, and I was the first kid in high school for this to happen to, and so I'm getting changed in the locker room, I take my shirt off, and there's this one punk kid who walks across the locker room specifically to watch me take my shirt off, which is weird, by the way. And he's just standing there going, (laughs) we had an altercation later on in high school, which I won, so it's okay now, but but I just remember, I went home, and I was just really upset, I went home and I just begged God, I was crying, and I was like, Lord, heal my hairiness, like make this stuff fall out, and make me a normal human being. And I'm nearly 40 now, and I'm the hairiest person I know. And I'm like, God, did you not hear my prayers? But the flip side to that is I'm nearly 40, and I am showing zero signs of receding hairline. So I'm okay with that trade-off. Like, I'm all right. But if you're hairy and bald, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) The rest of this message is really going to work for you. Um, All right. Got to collect myself again. So in this moment, they're praying. They they bring this guy, and the response seemingly bypasses the request, right? And sometimes when we pray, God's response bypasses the question, and he actually gets to the heart of the issue because he knows what you need better than you do. And in this moment, rather than the healing that they wanted, they got the forgiveness that they needed, right? Or he gets the forgiveness that he needed. And, And this forgiveness business, though, upsets some people. There's some religious folk there who get kind of bent out of shape. And they don't say anything. They're talking about it in their hearts. But they're grumbling. They're saying, this guy is not God. This is blasphemous for him to be forgiving sins, which is why it's important to have a correct view of who God is. 
But then Jesus casually owns them by responding to their thoughts, which has got to kind of like drop some questions into their mind. They're like, wait, is he God? I don't know. And he goes on to say, you know what, just so that you know that I have the authority to do this forgiveness stuff, just go ahead, grab your mat, head on home. And it says he picked up his mat, walked out of there, and everyone was amazed, and they glorified God, and they said, we've never seen anything like this before. And you can just imagine those scenes, right? They're all grumbling, who does this guy think he is, like forgiving sins, and, and dude, that guy's legs just grew back. This is amazing. Here's the second principle in the story that we need to grasp. Sometimes we miss what God is doing because it's not spectacular enough for us. See, the things that God is doing in your heart are far more important than the physical things that you might be asking for. And there's a problem if you require the spectacular in order to recognize the substantial. And that's what we see in the story. They will not recognize Jesus until he does something cool. And don't get me wrong, I love miracles. In fact, we have three miraculous children who we're not supposed to have, but we do. And so I'm able to see God's work through that, but I am not gonna build my faith around those three miracles. I cannot be obsessed with the miraculous. I don't want to miss the deeply profound things that God is going to do and has already done. And if my experience tells me anything about my faith, if I'm going to look to experience for something, it tells me that I need to believe in the goodness of God outside of things going my way. Because I've prayed for people to be healed and they died. I've seen terrible things. And my faith, your faith, cannot rise and fall on the miraculous, on signs and wonders. Because if it does, every time you have a crisis of faith, you're going to run to those things. And you're going to require those things. It's not going to be based on the character and the nature of who God is. And I don't want to ride that roller coaster. And I don't think you do either. See, the truth of scripture is that God is good, right? That God is love. And he displayed that love in the most profound way possible when Jesus died on the cross. For your forgiveness, for my forgiveness, for our sins. And there's some of you here today who you are waiting for God to do something to prove his love. You're waiting, you you recognize that God exists, but you're just, you're not sure that you can be all in until you get a sign. And I've been there, when I was 18 years old, I had a crisis of faith, and I was begging God every single day, show me that you love me, because I can see your work in everyone else's life, but I can't see your love for me. And here's the thing, and I need you to know this, and I wish I knew this back then. He's already done it. There's no greater expression of love than to die for someone. Jesus himself says it in John 15, right? Greater love has no one than this than he who lays down his life for his friends. Then Paul adds this in Romans chapter five. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus says there's no greater love than dying for your friends, and then he just goes ahead and one-ups it by dying for sinners. If the cross doesn't prove his love for you, I don't know what you're waiting for. There's nothing greater. And what's sad about this story is that no one's amazed or awed by the forgiveness. Jesus has to physically heal the guy for people to start taking him seriously. So the question is, is Jesus enough? If you don't see another move of God for your entire life, is Jesus enough? Is the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ enough for you? In 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 through 9, it lays it out again. And, and watch this, because we get caught in a trap of thinking that if we just put all of these faith pieces in place, everything's going to work out just right. That's not faith, that's magic. In magic, you put things together, you do things a certain order, and it turns out the same way every single time so the magician doesn't look stupid, right? That's not how faith works because you get all your ducks in a row and then you fall off the end on your face. And you're like, God, what happened? I did everything right. Why are you not blessing me right now? Why are things not turning out the way that I thought they would? I thought you were gonna pull me out of this problem, but it just got worse. And now you're not sure if you can trust him anymore. See, if you have an incorrect view of God, you're gonna create incorrect expectations. And when those expectations don't get met, you're gonna become disappointed and disillusioned with who God is. And conclude, maybe God isn't good after all. We need to dial it back. What do we believe about God, and is it correct? Is this the real God that I'm believing in? So 1 Peter 1 says, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, contrary to some teaching out there, Scripture teaches us that finding the goodness of God and the joy of salvation in the middle of the storm is far more likely than being pulled out of the storm altogether. And Peter teaches us this is not going to last forever. One way or another, it's going to end. The grief is going to come to an end. But maybe, just maybe, there's some purpose in the pain. And even not, maybe not even in this life, but the proven genuineness of your faith the joy of your salvation. And I know you're probably sitting here thinking, this is, this is just more token Jesus answers, right? Jesus is the answer. Well, I've got news for you. Yes, he is. He is the answer. 
And I know that that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because we just want things to get better, right? But he is the answer to our brokenness. He is the answer to our hurts. He is the answer to our regrets. And so the question is, is Jesus enough for you? Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul is begging to be pulled out of the situation. Whatever that thorn is, we don't know what it was, but we know that he didn't like it. And Jesus' answer, I'm enough. My salvation of your souls is enough. And it needs to be enough because you're gonna go through some things that are too much for you. I don't know who came up with the, the line, God won't give you more than you can handle. They need a punch on the nose. In love. You're gonna go through things that are too much for you. When we went through, we went through seven years of infertility and all the things that are associated with that, that was too much for us. When we lost our child, one of our children in a miscarriage, that was too much for us. And if I'm being honest, just getting my three kids to eat their supper at night, it's too much for me. It's too much. Is Jesus enough? Philippians 4 gives us some more clues towards this. I'm going to throw, I'm throwing a bunch of Bible, I'm a Bible teacher, I can't help it. Um, he gives us some more clues in Philippians 4. And we don't have time to read the whole thing, but you can do it on your own time. Like the whole of Philippians is great. In fact, while you're there, read the whole Bible. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> But, but I work at a Christian school and I'm involved in athletics and I see a lot of abuse of Philippians 4.13. And we don't, now we don't do it at our school, okay? We don't do that there because I would quit if we did, okay? But it happens all the time. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. No, you can't. No, you cannot. You can't win that sports game just because you slapped that verse on your arm and you prayed before the game saying, God, let us have good attitudes and nobody get hurt. But really in the back of your mind, you're like, let's crush them, right? Because what if they slap the verse on too? Then God's got to pick favorites. <laughs> Philippians 4.13 has nothing to do with sports. The only way it applies is when you lose, Okay. It doesn't really have anything to do with achieving anything other than letting Jesus be enough. And believe it or not, there's three chapters and 12 verses of context that come before that one line. And so Paul is writing from prison. He's waiting to die, essentially. And in Philippians 4, verses 5 and 7, he gives this strong command, don't be anxious about anything. Which for a guy who's waiting to die, that's a big deal. But he doesn't just drop the command and be like, hey, don't be anxious. No, he gives us some 
pointers. He says, don't be anxious. Instead, be in prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving and make your requests known to God. But here's the thing about making your requests to the creator of the universe. You've got to be okay with a no. You've got to be okay with a no. And this comes back to the beginning when we talk about what we believe about God. Because if you believe that God is holding out on you, when he says no, you're going to have a real hard time with it. But if you recognize that God is good and that God is love, you recognize that no is sometimes the best thing. Think about it like this. Nobody likes the kid whose parents never told them no. That kid's a punk, right? I think about like my own house, what it would look like if I never told my kids no. Like recently, we, we renovated a couple rooms, and I was going to paint the doors, the closet doors in my daughter's room. I said, hey, what color do you want? She says, orange. No. <laughs> i got to be able to sell this sucker when we're done, right? My, we would have a pet elephant. My son wanted a pet elephant. No. We're not doing that. Nowhere else in our lives do we get and give a yes 100% of the time. But with God, when he says no, all of a sudden it's a crisis of faith. I used to be there. I used to not pray about certain things because I was afraid that God was going to tell me no. I know what I need to ask you, but I'm not going to ask you because in case you say no, then we're going to have problems. So I'm just not going to pray about it. That's stupid. It's stupid. And that's why it's so important, and I love this about our church, that the first real principle that we hold to is that we know God. And not just know the version that we want, but the version who is, right? And, and you have to know God, the real God, not the one made in your image. And when you do that, you are going to find freedom. And it's going to be a freedom deeper than anything that you thought that you would know. So if you want to have peace, you need to know God for who he is. You need to be grateful for what you have, and you need to be okay with a no. And Paul says, it will be a peace beyond anything you can know or understand. So Paul goes on in Philippians, let's pick it back up in verse 11. He says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things. What things? Well, we just talked about the context, right? And this verse has been abused so much that when they revised the NIV version in 2011, they changed all things to all this because it's talking about something specific. Paul says, I'm, I'm learning or I've learned the secret to be content. Whatever situation I face, I can do it through him who strengthens me. And I wonder how he learned that. Maybe it had to do with a thorn in his flesh and Jesus' answer being, my grace is sufficient for you. And we see this in scripture all over, all over the place, over and over again, learning contentment rather than being removed from the situation. And if you read the New Testament, you get this overwhelming sense that Jesus needs to be enough. But it's not just in the New Testament. See, God is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. We see it in the Old Testament too. Check out the very first line of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David sounds a whole lot like Paul right here, doesn't he? I've learned the secret to be content. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll be satisfied in him. He's enough. He's enough. Can we let our experiences be shaped by God's word and the sufficiency of Christ's salvation in our hearts rather than relying on experiences to prove God's goodness? Can his word, can his salvation be enough for you? Because it needs to be. Scripture pushes us this way over and over again to have a faith that we we, we see our experiences through the lens of faith rather than expecting our experiences to build our faith and, and require those things in order to have faith in a good God. Our faith cannot rise and fall on the miracles. It has to rise and fall on the character and the nature of who God is. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that you would just bring it to truth in our hearts. And God, that we would respond to it with our lives. Lord, that it wouldn't just be a revelation that we see in here and walk out and, and nothing happens, but Lord, that we would take it and do something with it. That we would apply your word to our heart. God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your salvation. And Lord, I just pray that you help us to recognize it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Paul. Wasn't that a good word? Isn't that great? It's so important for us to remember that our experiences are tainted by our perspective. Such a good reminder for each one of us today. I wonder if we could take a moment and just bow our heads, close our eyes, and I want you just to ask the Lord today. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? Those of you watching online, just do this with us. Ask the Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? How do I need to adjust? What should I do differently? With our heads bowed and our eyes still closed, we never like to end a service without giving people an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. As you listen to this message today, we hear about how real that relationship is and how constant and that he is enough regardless of our circumstances in life. But if you were to be honest today and you would say, Bill, I'm not sure about this whole relationship with God thing. I'm not sure I've got that settled. I'm not sure that that's been worked out in my life, but I want it to be. Then I'd like to take a moment and help you today and lead you in a very simple prayer. It's not, it's not a magic formula. It's not anything like that. What it, it's just an example of what you can say to the Lord if it's what you believe in your heart. Just simply take a moment and pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are who the Bible says you are. That you died and rose again 
because of my sin and you now offer me forgiveness, I say yes to you and I want you to be in my life and then I will live for you as long as you give life to me. In Jesus' name. A friend, if you prayed that prayer here in this room and or at home, there's some next steps that we want you to take. But before we do that, if you prayed that prayer with me, say, Bill, I did that. I prayed it. I meant it. Would you just lift your hand wherever you might be in the room and just say, that was me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You can just raise your hand and put it right back down. Thank you so much. We're so proud of you. What a great decision that you've made today. And if you're at home and you prayed that prayer, you can take this next step with us as well. There's a number on the screen that's coming up. If you're at home, you see it in here on the screen behind me. We want to ask you to take one more step. Would you just text us the words, I prayed, all one word, to 844-HRC-TEXT. We'll be able to send you some resources of what your next steps are, help you understand what just happened in your life, and help you know what to do next. We rejoice with you. Hi, Ridge family. Would you look up at me? Let's stand. I'm going to invite our elders and wives and some of our staff to come forward uh, to be available to pray. If you have any prayer need in your life and you would like someone to agree with you, they're going to be here and available to you. So don't, don't leave without taking advantage of that opportunity. Um, everybody needs prayer from time to time. There, it's, please don't think, oh, well, I don't, people might think me weird if I come down for prayer. No, I think people are weird who don't come down for prayer, right? Because we all need prayer. We all need prayer. I want to bless you and speak a blessing and dismiss you today. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you, Father that you are enough. And we thank you that you're with us. Lord, I just pray a blessing over every household, every family, every individual represented in this room and those watching online. Be with them. Make your presence known in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I hope you have a great rest of your holiday weekend. Please be careful. And please remember, fireworks are not legal in the city limits of Longview. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.